Amy, we've got a bunch of little nieces and nephews between us, but we've also got a catch-all gift that all of our siblings love for their newborns. You're totally right, and it's Pampers Swaddlers, because Pampers Swaddlers wick wetness away to keep babies drier and subsequently parents happier. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better versus the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance. They're hypoallergenic and they're free of parabens and latex. Now you can try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes won't tear. In fact, they grip mess, shall we say, more firmly and clean better, leaving baby skin dry, soft, and smooth. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Fresh Take from What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. This is Amy. Today, I'm talking to Dr. Linnea Passelaire. She is the founder of Heal Your Nervous System, a platform that offers tools and resources to help individuals worldwide understand the root cause of anxiety, burnout, overwhelm, and physical and emotional symptoms. Dr. Linnea is a recognized authority on nervous system dysregulation, a sought-after speaker, and the author of a new book we're going to discuss today, Heal Your Nervous System, The Five-Stage Plan to Reverse Nervous System Dysregulation. And on top of all of that, Dr. Pasolaire is the mother of four children. Welcome, Dr. Pasolaire. Thank you for having me. So... As so many of our experts, I feel like their expertise, their interest in the topic begins with a personal story that brings them to this work. So tell us about your own personal experience with nervous system dysregulation. Well, I was highly dysregulated as, you know, I was a, a young entrepreneur. I was a practitioner, you know, I was a clinician. So I was an oral surgeon. So I was doing my work. I was, I had a company, a, a digital health company, and I had just so much going on in my life. And I ended up completely burning out. And so it started showing up as rosacea, IBS, a lot of physical problems, but also emotional problems. I was struggling to be in a relationship and uh, I had, you know, just so many of the classical signs of burnout and I had anxiety, high functioning anxiety. You know, on the externally, I seemed to have everything under control, but internally it was a very different story. So that's when I started actually realizing that I needed to change something. And uh, throughout this journey, you know, there were ups and downs. I learned a lot. I had four children in under four years. So I have, you know, there were ups and downs because, of course, I started with this journey. I became more regulated. I was able to, you know, start a relationship and just become a mom. And, you know, I started feeling much better. But still, as course, your audience uh, knows when you become a mother, everything sort of uh, becomes a disaster again, right? You to, uh, <laughs> your brain and your body go through so much change that everything you've learned and everything you feel like you have accomplished is put under a lot of strain. So I had to, you know, like relearn again. And so this process of learning about me, my dysregulation and then learning to become regulated went through a lot of different phases. I feel like in the sort of post-pandemic phase that we're in, we're all hearing a lot more about 
dysregulation. I know I am. Long COVID is thought to be a profound dysregulation of every symptom. But even if you don't have long COVID, if you live through a pandemic, there's some dysregulation perhaps in play. And it's a lot more than being, it's not like when you're extra jittery, you're high strung, you're nervous. It's tell our listeners what dysregulation can look like, because it's truly global. It affects everything. Yeah, it can look in in very different way. And so I'm a big proponent of understanding the early signs and taking care of them early on. So when you mention, you know, feeling nervous, feeling high strung, etc., that is an initial sign that your body and nervous system are spending a lot of time in highly activated states. And over time, this chronic activation of the nervous system can lead to dysregulation. So it's not just acute stressors, like maybe a viral infection or, you know, going through, you know, having a baby, which is a major disruptor and a major change. So these acute situations can lead to dysregulation, but also, you know, lower states of activations that go on for a very long time. So for example, we spend so much time in this cognitively activated state where we are constantly worrying, ruminating, thinking about things. And this is, at least for me, it was, and for many people, it is the beginning of all this process. So I'm a big proponent of, you know, learning about these early signs and starting the work as early as possible, because problems arise when your nervous system doesn't have enough time to rejuvenate and to spend time in those, you know, restorative states. There are states of the nervous system where particularly, you know, at night or in deep rest when you're meditating or certain activities that allow you to access a state of deep relaxation and deep restoration. That time is crucial because the nervous system and the entire body goes through repairing processes. And so when you are, you know, constantly thinking, constantly worrying, constantly ruminating, uh, your nervous system is not able to spend enough time in those states because your rest, your time to rest becomes really, you know, reduced and low quality. And so the problem is if this happens over a long period of time, all these biological processes that keep your body and brain well-regulated sort of go array and it becomes really hard for your body to recuperate. And so that's where symptoms start to show up. You get sort of stuck, you say in the book, you get stuck in this sort of higher state of stress. And it's not that you never want to be there. It's that you, I think a lot of us, anybody who lived through the pandemic knows what it was like to be in a constant state of rumination and wondering and risk weighing and what we were going to let our kids do, not do, were they safe? It's not... It doesn't have to be super stressful running from a bear stress. It's the stress under that, the cognitive alertness, as you say in the book. If you spend too much time there, which good luck not spending too much time there if you're a mom, right? Then you can get kind of stuck and then your body doesn't know how to downshift from there. Is that correct? Yes, exactly. So to explain the difference between a regulated nervous system and a dysregulated nervous system, I use the uh, the analogy of the fern. So the fern is able to, you know, it's not like it doesn't bend uh, or it doesn't go through stressors. So it's okay to go through stressors. And actually our body and brain thrive under stressors. The problem is we are not designed to be under stressors for an unlimited amount of time. We're designed to be under even intense stress, but for short times. So when this becomes, you know, 
our daily life, and unfortunately, our modern life is completely immersed in this kind of constant, you know, constant stressors, even if you don't consider, you know, all of the uh, social and economical, etc. problems, even just your own life being uh, spending so much time indoors, we're not designed to spend all of this time indoors, we need to spend time outdoors, we need to spend time moving, we need to follow our circadian rhythm. So all of these uh, create uh, chronic stressors on the nervous system, and they don't allow the nervous system to essentially rejuvenate. And so that's when it becomes stuck. So that fern that I was mentioning at the beginning, it doesn't happen anymore, that ebb and flow that happens with the fern, it becomes stuck. And so a dysregulated nervous system is essentially a nervous system that is stuck in these states of high alert, and it doesn't spend enough time in these other states of restoration and relaxation, or even just, you know, in a flowing state. So we could have a slightly activated state, but that's not enough to constantly trigger our rumination. So I also, one of the things I talk about in the book and one of the core elements of what we teach is teaching people to recognize in real time where their stress response is and how their body and nervous system are responding to stress in that specific moment. I see. Something you said in the book that really jumped out at me, like, oh, oh, I get it now. This is when you spend too much time in these higher states that your body has to work harder to activate your parasympathetic response, the response that relaxes you and calms you down. It forgets how to do that, is it? Or is it just that it's so much harder to do it because things have swung so far? So it, essentially, it becomes, it learns to become activated a lot more easily. So it learns to spend time in that state. And so the work that needs to be done in order to heal this dysregulation is essentially teach your body and brain again to access these states of rest and to spend more time there. And so this is like, it's really something that happens at the synapses level. It becomes very easily activated, this kind of stress response. It becomes, you know, like super easy to just get into those states. And so that's part of the work that needs to be done. It's about, you know, changing these neuronal responses so that they are not uh, so easy to be activated anymore and teach the nervous system to return more easily and more quickly and more flexibly to a state of regulation. That makes sense. I'm talking to Dr. Linnea Postelaire. She is the founder of Heal Your Nervous System and the author of the new book of the same name. And we'll be right back. Margaret, I've got a go-to baby shower gift that I give whenever there's another newborn in my life. Can you guess what it is? Amy, three guesses. First two don't count. It's Pampers Swaddlers. Exactly. Pampers Swaddlers keep baby's skin dry, happy, and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better than the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes are five times stronger, gripping mess more firmly, shall we say? say, and making diaper changes a breeze. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. 
Margaret, I've been at the research again, looking into metabolic health, and more importantly, metabolic flexibility, which turns out is the key to improved energy levels, better sleep, better fitness, all the things. And I found out about all this because we got a chance to try Lumen, the first handheld device that helps you manage your metabolic health. Lumen works when you breathe into it. If you do that first thing in the morning or after a workout, Lumen measures your metabolism by measuring the amount of carbon dioxide in your breath. It's science, people. That lets you see exactly what's going on in your body in real time. Then you use Lumen's app to get tailored guidance to improve your sleep, your nutrition, even stress management. If you're interested in figuring out the effects of different sorts of foods on your body, Lumen is a really cool way to see what's actually happening as your body burns different fuel sources. If you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use Fresh to get $100 off your Lumen. That is L-U-M-E-N dot M-E. Lumen.me and use the code Fresh at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. So, Dr. Pasolera, in the book, you walk through an elevator that you can start to conceive yourself as moving through all the different states and understanding that. Because the first step is recognizing, as you said, oh, this is my stress response. I carry it here. I become more sensitive to light when I've had a bad day or something like that. So explain the elevator, how it works and how somebody can start to conceive it. Yeah. And I think, especially for me as a mom, I remember this was a very transformative experience when I started applying this to myself, because sometimes, you know, we have these big responses and we, and it's very, like, we feel guilty, we feel bad about ourselves. And so the more we follow that narrative of, you know, not feeling good enough and feeling guilty, the more difficult it is to return to a state of regulation. But when I was able to understand what was going on and why my body and brain were responding in a certain way to certain situations and recognize that, that actually allowed me like that little gap, that moment where I could say, oh, okay, my body and brain are responding in this way to this situation because this is a physiological response. And so it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, I'm a bad mom or I'm doing something wrong. I just need to be aware of this response and take the necessary steps so that I can manage it. So instead of judging myself, like becoming aware of the biology behind it was super helpful. So that's something that I think, especially as a mom, is really crucial. And so that's why we created this elevator. And essentially what we did is we put together all of the research. There's a lot of research on the stress response that's come out, especially in the last 10 years, and especially with the COVID pandemic, there's like a big influx of studies on the stress response. And so we're learning about it a lot more. And so we know that it's a lot more complicated and more, you know, there's so many pieces that are moving. It's not just one part of the brain or one part of the body. There's a lot of different things that are happening when your stress or your fear response are activated. So we tried to simplify everything in this model of the elevator. And essentially, the idea is to be able to observe your stress response as it moves through these different stages of uh, activation, as if you were moving through an elevator. And so the baseline is the blue state. So in this state, this is, you know, at the bottom of the elevator. This is the state that I was talking about earlier, where we have, you know, our nervous system, our body are in this state of deep rest. And we want to spend enough time, like our body and brain are designed 
to need to spend enough time in those states. It's one thing that researchers haven't figured out yet. Why through you know millions of years of evolution, we have now been able to sort of evolve out of needing this uh, deep rest, but we do need it. So it's like a vital process for our body and brain. So we need to spend enough time in this state. This is where we feel calm, relaxed. Our body and brain are in a very low state of activation. And it's usually when we sleep or when we meditate or when we do like an activity that is like very calming and very restorative. Once we start bringing in a little more activation, so the sympathetic nervous system is a little more activated, we move up the elevator to the green state. So in this green state, this is where we are in our flow. That's where we do our best work because uh, we're in the perfect combination of activation and relaxation. So we are focused, we can, you know, we're in a flow, we're working really well, we can perform well. So for example, right now, you know, I'm talking to you, I'm, uh, you know, activated, but I'm also quite relaxed. So I'm speaking, that's an example of a green state. Once we move a little bit more on the up on the elevator, we get to this yellow state. This is the state of this cognitive activation. And this is the state where people, especially in the modern world, spend most of their time. They're constantly thinking, ruminating, they're in their head. And again, it's not just because you know, it's our life is designed to force us to spend so much time in this state. We are, you know, we're worried about everything that's going on in our life. At the same time, we're trying to do our job. Maybe we're taking care of children. So this state of chronic activation becomes the norm, becomes the place where we spend most of our time. And it's usually a place where we are disconnected from the body. The body is very activated in this state. It's not in a full-blown, you know, like fight or flight response yet, but it's that chronic slight activation that really eventually burns us out. And then, of course, there's an extreme response, which is the stress the red state further up the elevator where we're in a full-blown, you know, sympathetic response. And so maybe we are feeling very anxious. We're feeling, you know, even maybe a panic attack. Like, you know, these are states where we are strongly activated, like something is really wrong and we are feeling, you know, our heart uh, beats fast, our breath is shallow and quick. So all of the body is activated in a way that is preparing it to either fight or flight or respond to a big threat. So these are the states. There's an additional state, which is which we call the purple state. This is um, an extreme stress response where our body and brain essentially shut down. Uh, We call this the purple state. And it's a state that's associated with an extreme panic attack, tonic immobility, or even traumatic situation. Unfortunately, when people go through, you know, a big traumatic stressor, an acute stressor, they can respond by passing out, by feeling completely you know, immobilized and powerless in a situation. So that's kind of an extreme situation that researchers are still understanding and it can be a very traumatic experience to go through. So, but this is kind of an extreme state. And in general, most people spend a lot of time, as we said, in this highly activated state. So the big problem where most of this regression comes from is from essentially spending Uh, not spending enough time in restorative states. And as you said, yellow, like yellow state is like, oh, you're late for school and then I have a meeting and then this and then I'll know what's for dinner and uh, and who's going to pick up the kids. And that is yellow state. It's not good or bad. It's just true for that. Many of us spend most of our lives there. You don't have to be a 
firefighter to live in a state of constant sort of activation. And I hadn't really thought about that before, before reading this book. And so it was the first step being aware of that, like, oh, this is wow. When I look back at my day to day, I really did spend most of my time in this state versus that state. Yeah. So the first step is always becoming aware of, you know, what's going on and becoming aware uh, in real time of what our body and brain are doing. And then it can be counterintuitive, but one of the first things that we do with people when we help them through our program, through our community is to not necessarily take action on it. Because one of the problems is that when people are struggling with symptoms of anxiety, of, you know, physical symptoms, they want a quick fix. They want to uh, get relief. And that's totally understandable. But the problem is that they then enter into this cycle of looking for a quick fix to find relief quickly and essentially do anything like they will try a hundred things, many things at the same time. So they will get a little bit of relief for a brief time and then something happens. They discontinue what they're doing or, you know, and it becomes a cycle because then symptoms pop up again or a new symptom comes out and then they feel like a failure. And so then they start again the cycle because they try something else. And so we see people all the time who have been through these cycles multiple times. And so they start believing that they're broken, that there's something wrong with them and they can't really heal and they can't really, you know, regulate or heal a dysregulated nervous system. Whereas we know that if you implement, you know, a strategy and if you are patient, like if you're not fixed on getting, you know, quick relief, which is what we keep being offered and we hear all the time. But the reality is that quick fixes in this situation don't work. You need to have the patience and the, you know, put in the effort so that things can change. And that's why one of the first steps that we talk about is awareness. In the awareness state, we are working to create that gap where we are seeing the trigger, we are responding to it, but we're observing ourselves and we're living enough space, which then, you know, this little space, this little gap allows us to create a new response, a new neurobiological response. That's where things start to really change. We've talked with Carla Nomberg, was another guest we had on the show. So I'll put a link to that interview in the show notes for this episode. We talked a lot about that, creating that gap, that space and the pause. But you described it in a way I'd never heard before that I thought was so particularly pertinent for parenting, and that's dog mind versus lion mind. Can you tell everybody how that plays out? Yes, I love that analogy. And it's essentially when we are in the face of a stressor or a trigger or a situation that can potentially create, you know, like like just pull us in. If we are in a dog mind, we are focused. If we think about a bone and if we, let's say we wave the bone in front of the dog's eyes, right? And then we throw it away, the dog will be focused on the bone. And so the dog will go and chase the bone. So if we control the bone, we control the dog's reality. On the other hand, if you do the same thing with a lion, the lion is certainly not going to be, you know, disrupted by the, by the bone. It will be focused on you. Maybe it will eat you. But the point is you don't control the, the lion's reality because the lion is able to keep his eyes on the entire situation. So the bone is just a piece of that reality. So when we are able to start shifting from dog mind 
where we are constantly chasing the triggers and we get, you know, we start ruminating on something. We just become completely dysregulated because of a situation. On the other hand, if we can switch to Lion, where we are able to, you know, just sit there and observe the situation and being in, uh, just take the time before we respond strongly to something. That's this whole idea of, you know, switching and creating this pause and creating enough time for our body and brains to not respond immediately, but assess the situation. And then over time, this is not an immediate process, but over time, something new can emerge. So one of the studies that we have seen is there are studies on quitting smoking. And so when you essentially submit to this urge to smoke immediately versus observing that urge and not taking action on it immediately, even if you then end up smoking, these two things, these two different attitudes over time lead to a reduction of, you know, smoking and a reduction of uh, dependence on smoke. That's because when you allow your body and brain to just take time and do that pause that we were talking about and observe what's happening, that's really going to, it has a huge potential to allow you to create a new response. So even if then you end up, you know, lashing out or uh, doing that negative thing that you wouldn't want to do, just giving yourself the time to understand and observe why this is happening before it happens over time will lead you to do that less. So you will become more in control of things over time. I'm talking to Dr. Linnea Pasolaire. She is the author of Heal Your Nervous System. We'll be back. Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is toast with peanut butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite power breakfasts. We agree on that thing. We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter. And I'm going to tell you, we used Hero Bread. It adds even more protein and fiber to that combo without adding any more sugar. Hero Bread has remade the carby, empty calorie bread products into versions that include no net carbs, zero gram sugar, and fewer calories, plus more protein and fiber, while still being super fluffy and delicious. I was not sure that that particular combination was going to be possible, but Hero Bread has figured it out. Yeah, this is one I'm glad they let us try. It's like, it really tastes good. I've been trying to add more protein to my diet, and I would have thought that a hamburger rolls was not the place to do that, Amy. <laughs> but all of Hero Bread's products, from rolls to tortillas to croissants, we please, offer protein and fiber, zero to one grams of net carbs, and zero grams of sugar. Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to Hero.co and use the code MOTHERHOOD at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's H-E-R-O dot C-O and code MOTHERHOOD for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and 
I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. Linnea, I wanted to ask you about one other term that's in the book that, again, hadn't heard of it before, thought, oh, but I know what that is. And it's another something, it's yet another thing that would require attention and time to sort of recognize and then try to undo. And it's embedded alarms, that each of us have these sort of embedded alarms that can really set us off. Tell me about that. Yeah. So we talked about the stress response, but another crucial process of our body and brain is the fear response. And they're like cousins. So they use a lot of the same processes in the body and brain, a lot of the same circuits. They get activated. And so the fear response is a little bit different because it can teach us very quickly to learn, you know, to respond to something that happens. So the fear response is very quick and it's very easy to be modeled. So we it learned super quickly. So what happens is when we go through an experience that triggers this fear response, our body and brain very quickly learn from that experience. So most of the times, even from, you know, even in major situations where our threat response is activated very strongly. So let's say a traumatic stressor, okay, like a really traumatic situation. Most of the time we know from the evidence, from the science, that our body and brain are designed over time to essentially flush out this experience. So we learn, but we are able to, you know, go through it and heal automatically. So we don't need to really put a lot of effort because our body and brain are designed to do that. So most of the times this process works really well, even for people who went through major, major traumatic events. So this study by Bonanno was done on people who went through uh, the 9-11 events. And so they saw that most of the people were able to essentially flash out these difficult experiences within a year or sometimes a little bit longer. Sometimes, however, people go on and develop, you know, long-term consequences. So this is a minority of situations and this can even become, you know, what we call PTSD. So an actual diagnosis and an actual situation that requires treatment. There are some, you know, intermediate situations where people learn something that becomes, you know, a potential trigger in their life. And so we can't really say that, you know, it's a traumatic experience or that it's trauma, but it's definitely an, I call it an embedded alarm. It's something that really has remained in our body and brain and it can create like a very, very strong response. And we don't really understand why or how. So to give an example, I went through, I had an accident when I was younger, when I, you know, I was on a pickup truck and it was riding up like a very steep road and we had an accident. And so now whenever I go with my car, you know, and I go through on a steep road, it just activates my body and brain very strongly. So I can't say I'm traumatized, but I can can definitely say that there's an embedded alarm there that I can probably take care of and I could work to, you know, remove this, to remove this memory. But it's a sign. It's something that's remained there. It's a very strong memory. And so we, this is just an example, but we all have difficult situations that may have created these very strong responses. And so this dysregulation can be mild, moderate, severe. You walk through all of this in the book and it can show up not just as sort of 
unhappiness, but as you were saying, physical ailments, sometimes a whole host of physical ailments that don't make sense, that your medical providers don't necessarily see the whole field or aren't considering that, that this could be nervous system dysregulation. And so it takes people a long time and a lot of dysregulation to come to this point where they're able to do this work. Does that then make it harder to begin? I mean, you make the book is full of wonderful solutions and a lot of optimism that our brains remain neuroplastic through our whole lives so that this work is always possible. But do you have to have more patience, the sort of more different things there are to undo? Yeah, so when we get to a place where our body and brain are, you know, bearing the cost, the price of uh, years and years of dysregulation, there's a lot of work to do. And so people have symptoms like, uh, you know, chronic fatigue, IBS, uh, skin problems, like all of these problems uh, that typically, you know, so one of the problems we have is that the medical field is is very siloed. So Medicine is really great when it comes to addressing a specific condition that focuses on one part of the body. But when there's something that, you know, has many symptoms across the body, it becomes really hard. And so I call this the pinball effect in the book. And it's like when something goes wrong in the body and, you know, the stress response becomes chronically activated, it's like all of the symptoms all of the different systems of the body that are connected to the nervous system, which is all of the systems and and organs of the body, of course, they are impacted. And so causes and consequences become intertwined. So we start having, showing up symptoms everywhere, and this can create a lot of confusion. So we become uh, very demotivated because we can't find a doctor that can really help us to treat that condition in a holistic way. So I'm a big proponent of becoming our own, you know, chief medical officer, where we use medicine and the medical system as we need, but we also are able to embark on our own healing journey and we can really sort of start addressing all of these things at the root. And this means addressing dysregulation and creating new systems in the body, new way for us to respond to stress so that all these symptoms over time can essentially go away because we are taking care of the root cause. You offer in the book so many solutions, so many different ways to come at this and approach sort of a downshifting, getting the parasympathetic nervous system to activate, which has to be very deliberate, right? We can't just relax on the couch looking at our phone more. That's not going to change this. We have to be deliberate. But I wanted to underline, again, what you said before, that it's better to pick one or two things and do them very consistently rather than like, I tried all 40 once and it didn't work for me. So none of this will work. Do you see that resistance a lot with people who are just sort of beginning the journey? Like I drank lemon water for two days and nothing changed. I mean, I think people are looking for relief and they're looking for quick relief because they're in pain. But I think what really makes a huge difference is having a strategy. Like, you know, even implementing just one solution really well But not having a strategy and a clear plan makes a big difference. So that's why with this book and with our work within our community, we apply a strategy, a clear strategy. And that's why we have divided it in five stages. Because when you are going through this work, you need to understand really clearly what you're trying to do, why you're trying to do it. 
And what is the sequence? There is a sequence to this work. That's something that's, I think, really missing from the conversation. When we are dealing with deep things like, again, trauma or attachment problems or, and, or even burnout, we need to follow a sequence where first we're able to create a sense of safety and, and create and return our stress response to a state of calm. Once we are more in control of our body and brain, that's where we can do the deep work of healing from these difficult patterns and difficult things that we have unfortunately accumulated. So that's why I'm a big proponent of following a strategy and sticking to a strategy. It makes a huge difference for people. Tell us a little bit about your community and how that works. So we have a, an assessment where we help people understand their level of dysregulation because there's not an existing tool that is validated by research. This is all really new and we're just starting to understand. And so for me, the first step that I have people go through is really understand, first of all, their dysregulation level, their sensitivity level, because we all respond in a different way to stress. And so really learning about the uniqueness of our stress response and why it is that way. And that really, like people respond a lot to that because when we, they start understanding why their body and brain are responding in a certain way, it changes everything. It changes their internal narratives about themselves. And then we essentially lead them on a journey to address these different stages. And they can, uh, and we see a lot of great results on, you know, with people who have struggled with e for years with symptoms like, you know, chronic fatigue, anxiety, burnout, uh, physical symptoms, you know, because as you mentioned, we tend to think that, you know, emotional symptoms are one thing and physical symptoms are another thing. But the reality is that they are, you know, two faces of the same problems. So when we address one, we're having an impact on the other and vice versa. So that's exactly what we help people with in the in the community. I've been talking to Dr. Linnea Pasolaire. She is the author of the new book, Heal Your Nervous System, The Five-Stage Plan to Reverse Nervous System Dysregulation. I highly recommend this book. I'll put the link in the show notes to everywhere that you can find the book. Dr. Pasolaire, tell our listeners where else they can find you and your work and the group and the community. So they can find us online at healyournervoussystem.com. That's our website. And we, you know, we have a blog, we have our community there. And then on Instagram, of course, we have a large community on Instagram. And then of course, they can read the book and they'll find, I think, a lot of uh, help in that too. Absolutely. So many great resources on the website and so many in this book. Dr. Pasolaire, thank you for talking to me today. Thank you so much for having me. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play, and we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. 
you get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. 